Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. The Bible says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. What are we talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 11? The Lord's Supper and how the Corinthian church made a mess of the Lord's Supper. It was their supper in, in their mind. And so Paul, under the Holy Spirit's inspiration, is trying to help them out. But notice in verse number 23, it says, in which he was betrayed, took bread. Before Christ goes to the cross, he institutes this, and it's the last meal that they will have with the Lord. That'd been pretty cool to be at that scene, wouldn't it? The last physical meal that those disciples are going to have and that the Lord's going to have is taking place. And they're all sitting around, and the Lord's right there. Now, it's the last supper that they ate together physically, but it's not the last supper because we're still celebrating the Lord's Supper, right? So we we get that. But for the sake of the lesson, I want you to picture Jesus is sitting there with the disciples during this last supper. And I'd like to draw to your attention. It says, in which he was betrayed. (laughs) Go to Luke chapter number 22, and we'll take a look at that a little more clearly. Luke chapter number 22, the Bible says in verse number 15, and he said, Luke 22, 15, unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now, we just saw in verse number 23 of 1 Corinthians 11, He was betrayed and took bread. Now we see in verse in Luke 22, we're doing a cross reference. Verse 15, with desire, I have desired. Uh, what, am, what am I trying to get at? The Lord desired to be with the disciples. <laughs> you know what the problem is in 1 Corinthians 11? They don't desire each other. They desire themselves. But the Lord desired to be with them look at verse number 21 in Luke 22 verse 21 but behold the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table and truly the son of man goeth as it was determined but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed how in the world can you desire to be at a table with somebody that you know is going to be betray you you know that's our problem Our problem as Christians is we can't gather together. And if we do gather and assemble together, people are over here. People are over here. People are over here. People are over here. And they're all split because they have no desire like the Lord had to be with the disciples. And he's sitting amongst the betrayed. But the Lord's got desire to be with them. Well, church people, they'll just betray me. Christians, they'll just betray me. Okay, well, be, be like the Lord and just desire to be around his people. 
Look what look at what happens. Look at verse number 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Yeah, right. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. And he said unto them, when I sent you without purse and script and shoes, lackey anything. And they said nothing. And he goes on. Peter. He's going to deny the Lord. Jesus desires to be with them. At that table. Well, there's just going to be people that are going to, you know, they're going to be betrayed. They're going to be betrayers. They're going to be deniers. There's going to be problems. Okay, we'll be like the Lord. But one thing that that Corinthian church got right with the Lord's Supper was they came together. Now they were splitting all their factions. We're, we're seeing all that. You know what our problem as Christians today is? We just don't want to come together. We just don't want to gather. The Lord gathered with the disciples. One's going to betray him. One's going to deny him. And he says, I'll pray for you. Anybody ever hear a prayer? <laughs> I'm being serious. There's problems. What do you do? You don't run and hide and scatter and retreat. You advance in prayer. You pray for the person. I hope you pray for me. You're the preacher. You should have everything figured out. I don't. You're the preacher. You're supposed to. I know what I'm supposed to be. I pray for you. I hope you pray for me. The Lord desired to be with the disciples. We should desire to be with each other. The Corinthian church, they gathered, but they didn't desire to be with each other. They couldn't stand each other. Rich people over here, poor people over here. Drunkards over here, non-drunkards over here. What an awful place to be on a Sunday morning when people gather or a Thursday midweek when people gather and the people in the front row hate the people in the back row. That's why they sit in the front row. What an awful motive. What an awful caustic. Unchristian like motive to have. And that's what they had. In, in, in Corinth, people loved themselves, but it gets better. He says, with desire I have desired, he's getting along with Judas. He's having a meal with Peter, who's going to deny him. Verse number 39, and he came out and went, and as he walked to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. Well, that sounds like a pretty good thing, following the Lord. Everybody want to follow the Lord here tonight? I do. I hope you do. And he was at the place. He said unto them, pray that ye enter not into temptation. 
Now, that's not too hard to understand. I would imagine if I was hanging out with the Lord that day, I would imagine if you were with the Lord and following him that day after that meal, you would clearly understand what pray means. Verse number 41, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed. So he not only told them what to do, after he told them what to do, he modeled what to do. He started praying, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. He has desire to be with them. One's a betrayer. One's going to deny him. After the meal, he says, follow me. It's time to pray. The Lord starts praying. They fall asleep. How, how in the world can you get along with people that don't listen? We're going to have a prayer meeting at 5 o'clock on Sunday, and then everybody comes, and then half of them are asleep. I can understand some of the long-winded sermons, but most prayer meetings are 15, 20 minutes, folks. Try praying for an hour. Try praying for two hours. Well, I could never do that. Well, you go without food long enough, you will. You go home to a house that hasn't been bombed. You get to turn on your water. You think they're doing that in Ukraine right now? You think Christians hiding in a church basement have the liberty to turn on their water and have it work? Trials going to come, difficulties are going to come, and people are going to show. You know what the ministry is? It's loving people. It's desiring to be with betrayers. I mean, you don't want them to be betrayers. It's desiring to be with people that are going to be deniers. You don't want them to be deniers. It's desiring people that would follow the Lord and not fall asleep in the prayer meeting. <laughs> You don't want them to fall asleep. It's people. If you don't love people, then you miss the whole idea of Christian fellowship. And we're going to get to the big picture in a minute. But our Lord models the example. He desires to be with the disciples. How in the world can the Lord do that? Because the Bible says in 1 John 4, God is love. The Bible says in John 3, for God so loved the world. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God commendeth his love toward us. How can he do that? Love. For his great love wherewith he loved us. Do you know why the Corinthian church couldn't get along? Because they didn't love each other. By and large, people come to church because. I want to be careful while I say that because it's I'm not saying it's usins. <laughs> We're here together on a midweek. We want to get the word of God. Amen. 
I'm talking about drawing back the lens when I make this statement. By and large, Christians go to church because they love themselves. This is why they're putting on, they're not church services anymore. They're performances. They'll run 25 minutes of people dancing on the stage because it's not a pulpit anymore. It's all designed about them. Give the people what they want. The Lord totally flips it around and you see the example on the Last Supper where he is with people that are going to betray, deny, and fall asleep on him. Yet, he gets along with them. He gets along with people. Because he loves them. How do you get along with people that don't see everything the way you do? By loving them. By loving them. Look at verse number 23 in 1 Corinthians 11. In the beginning of the verse, we looked at the end of the verse. It says in the beginning of the verse, verse 23, for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. I mean, Judas is going to kiss him and then betray him. But the Lord wants us to get along. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. So we said all that to say, now Paul is telling the Corinthian church, look, this ordinance is delivered unto you. I want you to get along. I want you to get together, but I want you to get along. And have a good heart attitude. How in the world do you do that? Colossians 2. I think gives us a pretty good glimpse. At Colossians chapter number 2. Colossians 2 verse number 2. How do you get along with people that aren't as spiritual as you? How do I get along with people that aren't as spiritual as me? How do we get along with people that aren't as spiritual as we are? Verse 2, that their hearts might be comforted. That's the first way. The second way is being knit together in love. And unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of me. No, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom in me are all the wisdom, and in, in, in whom in me is all the knowledge, because I've done all of my research on Google and on YouTube. You know, people tend to just research the things that they want to agree with. <laughs> what are you researching to find out how you're wrong? Nobody does that. They get on something, they stand on that, you know, they're going to ride that hobby horse and they're going to find everything they can find on the internet that's going to defend their position. You'll never love people like that. 
you'll never love people. You're not the treasure. You're not the knowledge. You're not the wisdom. And either am I. Christ is all. And we have got to get that. Our hearts are comforted if we are knit together in love. Well, I don't agree with everything the preacher says. So you're going to leave because of that? Like the preacher agrees with everything you say. <laughs> Do you know how self-centered that is? I am not talking about a preacher that's running money laundering schemes. I'm not talking about a preacher that is throughout the foundational doctrines of Christianity. I'm not talking about the preacher that's getting drunk every weekend. I'm not talking about the preacher that's doing vile things. I'm not talking about any of that. Those are reasons to leave, to flee, to run. I'm talking about the attitude that says everybody has to agree with me. And as soon as the preacher says something I don't like, I'm taking me and my family and I'm leaving. As if we all agree with you. Imagine flipping that situation around for a minute. Somebody visits, and as they're visiting, they say that, you know, they believe A, B, and C. And we all gang up on them and say, well, we don't believe that, so you got to leave. What? Who would do that? Not a real Christian. A true Christian, a true Christian would back up, stop Paul's in park, and, and let that person believe what they want to believe and give them room to grow, give them some space to disagree, give them some room to breathe. A lot of things would simmer down if we just give people some room to breathe and we go home and start doing some knitting, knitting our hearts together in love. You hear that? Love. Love. That's why people don't get along because they don't love each other. God help us. God help us. Some people, it's just never enough for them. We're saved. The Corinthians are saved. God gave the Corinthians spiritual gifts. You would think that would be enough. Now we get to come together but they can't come together and love each other. So that made it impossible for them to have unity at the Lord's Supper and do it the way the Lord wanted it done. The Lord disagreed with all of the disciples, yet he was with them. And I can disagree with you on things and you can disagree with me on things. And some ladies can disagree with other ladies on things. And some fellows can disagree with other fellows on things. But we can still get along and desire to be with each other. Because we serve somebody higher than us. I'm thinking of two folks right now. that are still in church and are still a blessing at church that 
One uses an NIV, one uses an ESV. And the church I came from, they don't use those modern versions. <laughs> they preach against those modern versions. But I can hang out with that man with his NIV under his arm. And you know why he can still come to a fundamental Bible-believing King James-only preaching church? Because there's love. Because he loves his pastor. Because he loves his Christian friends. Because he loves witnessing for Jesus. And when you point out to him, do you know your Bible doesn't have those verses? Oh, there you go again. And he's over it. And I'm over it when he said, you know why? Love. That's why Jesus can hang out with the disciples. Because of love. And that's why he gave his life for us. Because of love. I'm not telling you to go out and buy an ESV, okay? You know what I'm saying. If somebody comes in with an ESV, don't hit them over the head with it. Because the Bible that you claim to believe when you don't obey what it says and have your heart knit together with another brother in love, you ain't obey, you are not obeying the King James Bible. You might as well carry an ESV. Let me hang out with the ESV guys that love everybody. I'm serious. If all the King James people are going to be mean and nasty and hateful, then that ain't me. You can't be a Lone Ranger Christian. The Lone Ranger, you know what the Lone Ranger can do? The Lone Ranger can say, I love. You know why the Lone Ranger can say that? Because he's alone. It's just him. And Tonto. But he sends Tonto into town to, you know, go get beat up and then locked up. And the Lone Ranger, he really don't love Tonto. He's always getting beat up. Imagine the Lone Ranger with a family, you know, a wife and kids. Honey, you go into town. <laughs> Your wife gets beat up, thrown into jail. Kids, you go get her out. The Lone Ranger had a plan. Look, there's no Lone Ranger Christians. If you're a Lone Ranger Christian, yeah, you can say you love until you have a family. Well, you see, there it is. The family's the most important thing. Yeah, the family that says we can love and it's only their family, of course they can love. Now come to a church assembly and get along with other families. Well, they don't see vaccines and masks like I do. Oh, really? You really love people, huh? Well, they don't see homeschooling like I do. And then the homeschool crowd can't get along with the Christian school crowd. And the Christian school crowd can't get along with the uh, with the public school crowd. And, the, you know, the natural breastfeeding crowd can't get along with the, you know, the, the toxic formula that you buy off of a shelf crowd. And, you know, the organic crowd can't get along with the non-organic crowd. And it's like, yeah, your family's real spiritual. You can't get along with everybody. You can say you love if it's just you. Now bring it in a family. Do you love your family? Your family can say you love until you bring other families in. People need to quit with this, you know, First Baptist Church of the Living Room. 
If you're doing that because you live in the middle of Wyoming and there's no church within 50 miles, okay. But if you're doing that because you can't get along with anybody, that's what we're talking about. And that's the problem in 1 Corinthians. They didn't love. Why does everybody have to see things exactly the way you do? It is wrong to not get together and assemble. But it is equally wrong to get together and assemble and not love each other. The ideal is to gather and to assemble along with the desire to be with each other. <laughs> That's the idea. That's the idea. The Bible says in Hebrews 7, for such an high priest became us, who was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. If we remember how holy God is, we would get off our high horse. If we would rem remember our condition and how he had saved us, we would get along with others. You know, if you're thinking of your best friend right now, think of your best friend right now and imagine your best friend just called you the worst name on the planet. You only get upset because you think you're so good. <laughs> you know, if you I mean, if you agreed with them, it wouldn't be an insult. You know, the wife says to the husband, you really don't do any work around here. You're so lazy. And the husband says, you know, you're right. You're absolutely right. I'm worthless. Well, why does the husband get upset? Because he thinks too high of himself. <laughs> you know, somebody insults you, don't get upset. Just agree with them. The lower you can get and the more humble you can get, the better off you and I would be. It's just the way people, it's just people, it's just people. First Corinthians 11, and let's, let's move on to some more verses. Verse 24, we didn't get too far, so we need to move. Verse number 24, the Bible says, Second Corinthians, let me get where I need to be. Okay, here it is. Verse number 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. A couple of things. Ephesians 5, Christ is the head of the church. I'm not the head of the church. My sending church isn't the head of the church. A deacon isn't the head of the church. An elder isn't the head of the church. The presbyter isn't the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. All I do is give you what God said, and I'm trying to exercise my gift amongst the body. There might be other men that have the gift of teaching, and they should do the same thing and magnify Christ. 
That's biblical expositional preaching is Christ is magnified, not a man. Christ. And then it says, and he is the savior of the body. It's his body to which he is the savior and he is the head and is the head of the body. Colossians one, the church that in all things. He has most of the preeminence, but then you have some. No. Colossians one says in all things. All things in your mind, just go through your life, your marriage, your kids, your job, your extracurricular activities, your prayer time, your family devotions. Does Christ have the preeminence? If he doesn't, then stop saying he's the head. I mean, he is, but in your life, you're the head. Sometimes or more than you should be or a lot or wherever it is Christ has to be the head. He has to get all of the preeminence How do I do that? Just love him more than you love you How do I do it love him more than I love me? It's about love and Christ is He's, he's all because he's love Why would you hurt the body? The Corinthian church, when they're split in all these factions, you know who gets hurt? The body. The body. Okay, Hannah, come on up here. And Joella, come on up here. Come on up here. Okay. Now, put you, you, you two face each other. Turn and face each other. Okay. Now, Put put your, put your two fingers out like this. Okay. Now you grab onto her two fingers, Joella. Grab on, grab on with a good grip. Okay. Now when I say I want you to twist her fingers back uh, as, as hard as you can. Okay. Now you're hesitant. You know why? Because Why are you hesitant? Now you grab onto Joella's two fingers. Go ahead. Grab them. Grab her two fingers. Get a good grip. And twist them back. You know why you're not going to? Because you don't want to hurt her. Because you like her. You love her. You don't want her fingers to be broken. Okay? Now, it might be for the brothers back there. You might, this scenario might be different. <laughs> but thank you, girls. Have a seat. Why aren't they, when given the opportunity to hurt, why don't they hurt? Love. Why would you hurt the body? It's Christ's body. If I hurt Robbie, I'm hurting the body. If Chris hurts me, he's not hurting the preacher. I'm part of the body. He's hurting the body. If one family gets super spiritual because they found out another family went to the beach and they don't go to the beach because the beach is and they leave because of the beach. Or they can't fellowship because your family doesn't do what their family does. You don't hurt that family. You hurt the body.
We're talking about the body of Christ. And it's not you as an individual. I know you love Christ, but the body should love Christ. I know you think Christ died for you, and he did, but he died for the body. Some of us have our doctrine right, but we don't have it that right. <laughs> the Lord loves me. Yeah, he does, but he loves his body. And you're a part of that body. Stop loving you as much and love his body more. Somebody gets hurt, you should be there to care for them. Unless you're the guy that slams the hammer on his thumb and doesn't care for it. No, it affects your whole body and you tend to it. People lose sight of this fact. And that's what happened in the Corinthian church. Look at verse 24. We'll get back on track here at the same manner. Uh, or his body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And he gave thanks in the beginning of verse 24. And when he had given thanks. And then he rem and it's a remembrance of Christ. His own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. People think they're so spiritual and so right and they have their doctrine all right, except they don't live righteously. This thing's about getting along with people. And those Corinthians came together, but they did not love each other. Verse 25, after the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it. Here it is in remembrance of me. For as often you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Body, remembrance of him. Blood, remembrance of him. Lord's death. We're to remember him, not ourselves. When we eat the bread, are we eating Jesus, or are we re or, or are we eating the bread and remembering his broken body? Right? When we drink of the cup, are we drinking Jesus's literal blood, or are we drinking of the cup and remembering the blood that he shed? It's important to get that. Till he comes. Which would tell you he's not there. <laughs> it's till he come. Meaning. Jesus isn't in the elements. When we remember the Lord's Supper. It says do this till he come. Meaning he's somewhere else. And he's not here. And it doesn't matter what priest. Says. Whatever prayer or whatever words. He's not bringing Jesus into that bread. And making it. A transubstantiated miracle. That would be devil magic, which wouldn't be a good thing to have in a church. So you don't want to be anywhere where someone's telling you you're eating Jesus or drinking his blood. That would be unscriptural. We have to remember this thing is Christ-centered, not us-centered. We all can say, 
we all should be able to say, look, I can get along. I can love that person. I can remember Christ even with you. And you should be able to say, I can remember Christ even with you, Brother Jim. Because it's Christ-centered, not us-centered. People gather together for political rallies. And they wave their banners. And they say their little mantras. And they don't know, they don't know these people. They just gather thousands of, the, of them together. And they all get along. Do you know why? Because they're rallying around the same leader. And people can get together. You have some famous man come into town, you know, the Duck Dynasty man, and you can get thousands of people to come. And you got to rent out a big college arena because somebody, because so many people want to come see the Duck Man. And if you want to go see the Duck Dynasty, fine, go see the Duck Dynasty guy. But why are people going? Why are they gathering in droves to go see? Why do you have to rent out a huge stadium? Because they love being, they're gathering around that man. They want to be in the same room with that famous man. You're saying you're for and against them. I'm not saying I am for or against them. I'm just saying there's a common cause that people rally around. And God gave us a clear, and, and they're all going to get together. They're not going to know each other, but they're going to get together. They're going to get along and having a good time. There's going to be good fellowship. And I'm saying that to say that the Lord said, I gave you an ordinance to do often for you to get together with my body that I purchased with my blood. And you can't get along. And you can't love each other. It's unchristian. And the Corinthians got the whole thing messed up. And you know why they can gather for the Duck Dynasty? And you know why they can gather for the political rallies? You know why? Because people from Washington, D.C. and Tennessee and Kentucky and California and New York and New Jersey and Ohio and Florida, they're all going to come together for two days and then go home. It's going to be a part-time relationship. And the Lord said he wants you to do this often. And when you're with a local assembly, it's a full-time relationship. That changes the game. But God wants you, young people, God wants you to be able to grow up to get along with people. That's a Christian thing to do. And he wants you to be at the Lord's Supper, too, with a good attitude. So if you're not coming, come. And if you are coming with a bad attitude, have a good attitude. Don't hurt the body. You know why people, it's, it's the old saying. <clears throat> it's the old saying. Just go an inch deep and a mile wide. Because people don't want to get close. Now I understand you need to give people time. Relationships take time to develop. But the Corinthian church had this idea. I'm just going an inch deep and a mile wide. I don't want to get to know the poor person. This thing's about me. I want my belly full. Look at verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, 
ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Okay. Did the Lord tell him he's going to die on the cross? You'd figure there'd be a big crowd at the foot of that cross. Except there wasn't. It was just John and some ladies. The women outnumbered the men. Did he say he was going in three days and three nights later? Did, did he say he was going to rise from the dead? He would resurrect himself. Did he say, I am the resurrection? He sure did. You would figure if they truly, really believe that you would figure there would be a huge camp out at the tomb. Jesus died. He's in the tomb. You would figure the whole town would camp out. We can't wait till Jesus comes out of this tomb. But they didn't. And you know what he said here? Do, Paul's telling us in the Holy Spirit's inspiration. Here's what the Lord said. Do this till I come. And you would figure groves of people would come for the Lord's Supper. And groves of people would come and gather together and, and do this ordinance as often. Because he said, do this till I come. But no, they don't. And it shouldn't be any surprise. You know why? Because people will camp out for tickets. People will camp out for the new electronic device. People will camp out for some special deal. But when the Lord said, look, I'm rising from the dead. If you really believe that. I tried to be the first one at the tomb. I want to be first in line. I want to see this. I believe that. I didn't believe him. I certainly would have been coming to the. I certainly would not have been coming to the tomb with uh, embalming uh, stuff if I believed that he was going to rise himself from the dead. But he said, "Do this till I come." He instructed us to do it often, and the Corinthian church was instructed to do it reverently, often and reverently, and it's remembering. What does it say as we finish up in verse 26? What does it say at the end of verse 26? You do show the Lord's birth? No. His life? No. His death. Not his teachings, not his miracles. This is a specific ordinance to remember his death. It's a look back to see how he was humiliated for us. And it's tied in together till he come because there's a future hope for his return. And it ain't going to be surrounded with him in humiliation as being despised and rejected. He's going to call us out. When he comes back, we're coming with him. And it's going to be as a ruling, ruling king. We'll close with this. Assemble, gather. But make sure we do it with the hard attitude of love. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.